This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Looking at scripture, Isaiah chapter 43. The Bible says, forget the former things. How many of you have something you wish you could forget? (laughs) Forget the former things, 2021. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. What if that's possible? What if God could do something this year new in your life? in your marriage, in your relationships, in your parenting, in your finances, in your career. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Father, thank you for your word. Over the next few moments, I pray your spirit would speak to our hearts and draw us. I pray for those that are Christ followers that we would be encouraged in our faith and where we need to be convicted in our faith. I pray for those here this morning that may not know you, that today would be the day your spirit would show them their need for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. In a new year, there is a common thought, and it really has nothing to do with New Year's resolutions. In fact, I looked it up this week. Did you know the most common New Year's resolution is to not make a New Year's resolution. Did you know that? 49% of people say, my resolution is to not make a resolution. But even if we don't, hey, all you've got to do, all I've got to do, all we do is look in the mirror or look in the faces of some people we know or look at the news, and there's a common thought of something's got to change. And we feel it somehow more in this season, in these moments. Something's got to change. Now, the reality is, we've been here before. We thought it last year and the year before. There's something about a new year that, that brings sort of an evaluation. And some people try to ignore it, but other people embrace it. And we set goals. And we determine, okay, here's some things that need to happen in this new year. And here's some tweaks that I want to make. And, and maybe you're, you're thinking something's got to change in your relationships. Or maybe something's got to change in your finances. Something's got to change in my parenting. As a father of four, and no more, four's a great number. Four's a great number. But as a father of four, Angie and I having kids that are grown now, i got to be honest, one of the hardest things about parenting is being consistent but it's one of the most essential things. And maybe you're thinking, this year in my parenting, something's got to change. I've got to figure out how to bring more consistency, even when I'm exhausted, even when I'm tired, even when I'm frustrated. Hey, friends, something's got to change in how we treat each other. Something's got to change in the atmosphere and the culture of this nation. When we are called as Christ followers, to love people. Do not expect someone that doesn't know Jesus to live like they do. But as the church, we are to be agents of love throughout the week. And and something's got to change because the reputation so often of church and church people is, you're mean as hell. You're angry. And you're so convinced about what you believe is right that people you think are wrong don't matter. Something's got to change. 
but we've been here before. Why hasn't something changed when we felt this before? We've known this before. And, and we've even set some, some goals and done some things to try to change before. Right now, if you go to the gym, gyms are packed. Give it a couple weeks. Give it a couple weeks. Listen, we don't even meet our own standards for life, much less God's. But something's got to change, so why hasn't it? When this is not a new feeling, maybe some of you feel it deeper. Maybe something's happened in the last year that it's more real to you and you're processing on a different level and you're more determined this year. But, but we've felt this before. Something's got to change. Why hasn't it? I think part of the reason is we know something's wrong, but we misdiagnose the solution. In fact, I think part of the issue is we're great at self-diagnosing. Do you have anybody in your family that you're watching TV and the commercials come on and it's a medical commercial and they start talking about the symptoms and someone in your family's like, I got that. I got, I'm convinced I got it. Like the guy that watched the commercial and then went to the doctor and said, Doc, I, I know what's wrong with me. I just need you to help me and give me some kind of treatment. But, but I saw a commercial and I know I've, I've got it. And the doctor said, okay, sir, what, what are the symptoms? And he said, well, I haven't been sleeping well. I, I, there's some dizziness. I'm experiencing some hair loss. I've gained some weight. I've got headaches and my joints hurt. And, and I know what's wrong. I just need the treatment. And the doctor said, okay, what's wrong? And the man said, I have menopause. <laughs> hey, 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 sir, sir. You can't have menopause. I don't care what culture says, reality says, sir, you can't have menopause. There are 34 symptoms, and you've picked out a few, and you've identified, and we're so good at ignoring some things and attaching to other things and thinking, oh, I've got that. That's how I solve the problem. That's where I find the solution. That's how we deal with this. Listen, a little truth without the whole picture leads to inadequate and unhelpful conclusions which lead to a frustrated life. So this year, rather than self-diagnosing or, or rather than letting TikTok diagnose, I mean, isn't it crazy some of the people we listen to? We listen to people tell us how to have a great love life and they've been married 18 times. Oh, you're a celebrity, so that must mean you know what you're talking about. No, it doesn't. Oh, you can play a sport, so I'm going to lose. What, what, what do you say I should do? What do you say? When all the time we have access to the living word of God, the God who created life, invented life, and knows best how to live life, and knows best how to help you find your purpose. So this year, let's, let's feel the need. Something's got to change. But let's let the expert, and there's only one, his name is God, reveal and diagnose. Because you can spend a lifetime tweaking things that won't get you where you'd like to be. Or you can make a simple change or two in the precise area that God knows and shows you and it will move you further, faster than you ever thought possible in your life. And I'm praying that in 2022, that's, that's what happens in your life. We know something needs to change. Something needs to change in how we feel. In 2021, many of you were feeling overwhelmed. Our nation was feeling angry. You were feeling maybe uncertain. Many of you were feeling afraid. Fear is more rampant and contagious than it's ever been in my lifetime. 
You were feeling frustrated. You were feeling hopeless. Maybe you were feeling concerned, or maybe, maybe you were feeling helpless. That was 2021. Is there anything we can do in 2022 to feel differently, to live differently, to experience a better life by becoming better at life? And it's a great question because this is the time of year. This is the moment that we push in a little bit deeper, that we sort of evaluate where we are and what we'd like to see happen in the coming year. And you may not make the resolutions, but it's on your mind, and for many of you, it's in your plans. You want better health. You want better relationships. You want better savings. You want better parenting. You want better time management. But here's what we know. And we know this, but we ignore it. There's so many things in life we know that we ignore, and this is one of them. Our best intentions will not create a better life. It's not about, listen, just being here this morning doesn't create a better life. In fact, sitting in your seat maybe occasionally thinking, oh, that's true, that's true, doesn't create a better life. Our intentions don't create a better life. The best strategy, the best plan, you've read the books, you've made some notes, you've got everything set up. Somebody asked me, uh, in fact, Dan, the guy that I, right over here, worked out with pre-COVID, we were in the gym four days a week. Um, I think I'm in the gym on a wanted poster now. Because I've not been since pre-COVID. But, but, you know, we've got the plans and we set up, you know, I, I've got the Peloton and I've got all the stuff and tomorrow's the day. The problem is we never live at the address of tomorrow. You can have the best strategy, the best plans, have it all set up, everything ready, and that will not create a better life. Better requires action. Better requires doing something, not just thinking something. So what will make this year different? You and I will experience a better life by becoming better at life. And it begins today, Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Hey, very simply put, some of you as we move into 2022, one of the greatest things that you need to do is forget the past. Some of you need to forget some things in 2021, and some of you need to forget some things over the last 21 years. It is impossible to live the life God created you to live and embrace the future and God's purpose for your life if you're still focused more on the past and what happened than what God can do now. Forget the former things. You know what that means? I love that, and it is a constant theme and a consistent theme throughout Scripture where we are reminded by the Spirit of God who inspired human authors to put down the words of God that are living and active, and over 2,000 years ago, God knew that you would need to hear and I would need to hear. There's some things you need to forget. Stop defining yourself by your worst moments. Stop believing that you can't because you haven't. There is a God that is bigger than your can't. And there is a possibility that God can do in and through your life beyond what you can imagine, but you won't get there. Focused on your worst moments. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. It's hard to embrace the possibilities of tomorrow when you're consumed with yesterday. There's got to be a shift. See, I am doing a new thing. And one of the things I love about this verse, notice, I'm doing a new thing. It does not say, except for you. 
except for you. Oh, if this has happened in your past, if you've been in this place before, if you've thought like this, if you've made this mistake, if you're ashamed of this, this applies to everybody except you. There is no exception. Because the power and the mercy and the grace of God are far bigger than your worst moment. There's a clear message in Scripture that for us to live our best future, we must forget some things about the past. And and it doesn't speak of some sort of state of delusion where you pretend it it didn't happen. No, it's part of your story. It's just not to be part of your focus. It's part of what's happened in your life. It's just not who you are. You're more than that. So if you want God to do something new this year, if you want life to be better... We've got to recognize it's great decisions that produce a great life. Great decisions produce a great life. Now, making great decisions, now, the moment I say that, some of you feel like a failure. You feel like, well, forget that. I'm not good at that. I have some gifts, but making decisions is just not one of them. The last six people I dated, they're all the same. I had some plans financially, and I keep making the same stupid mistakes. I decide I'm going to not live beyond my means, and I see that. Oh, there's, there's a new iPhone? There's nothing wrong with my iPhone, but i got to have the new one. Because the camera, the camera. <laughs> Most of you can't take pictures. I'm just going to be honest. There's not a magazine calling you tomorrow. Hey, can you send that to us? We want to pay you for that. You can't do There's a reason we bring in people that are professionals to do that, and that's because most of us can't. I can't take a picture. Where I'll, I'll try to be creative sometimes. I'll take my phone and put an angle maybe down on the floor, and Angie's like, no, 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 no. no. I mean, you, you can't do it. But we, we continue to make the same mistakes. And, and so maybe you think, well, that's just not me. I don't make great decisions. That's just not who I am, so I'm doomed. No, 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 listen. Why is it so hard to make great decisions? Why is it so hard? One of the reasons is we have so many options. When I was a kid growing up, there were three channels on the television. NBC, ABC, CBS. That was it. That's all you got. And the remote control, it was me. Dad said, son, go turn the channel. Go change the channel. I mean, like, we called it exercise. But, but, and then I had little brothers, and I made them do it. But, but listen, we have so many options. Research shows that the average person in this room makes about 35,000 decisions a day. And so many of them we make without even thinking. You wake up, and do you brush your teeth first or go to the bathroom first? Or do you grab your phone and take it to the bathroom? And then what do you look at on your phone when you get on your phone? You have so many options and so many apps and so many games, and some of you need to stop spending money on that in the new year. But, but 35,000 decisions today on what to eat, when to eat, what to wear, how to respond to people, what to watch, what to post, and so much time is focused on the decisions of which picture to post and how many likes will I get and what to purchase so many options. Wouldn't it be easier if there's just one, like, you're wearing this today. Pick that. I mean, it's easy for me. I just do what she tells me. You're wearing this today. Okay. I'm good. You think I pick stuff like this? <laughs> Never mind. We have so many options, so many things to choose from. And another reason it's hard to make great decisions, a lot of us are gripped with fear of making the wrong choice. I don't want to marry the wrong person. I don't want to take the wrong job. I don't want us to move into the wrong house. And often because of that uncertainty and that fear, we don't make any decisions at all. Some of you have PhDs in procrastination. And a lot of it comes from just the fear of making a wrong choice. We have so many options. And then we don't want to make the wrong choice. But I think the primary reason 
that it's so hard to make great decisions, often we allow our feelings to make the decisions for us. How you feel about something can cause you to overlook a mountain of facts and reality and wisdom. Has anybody ever said to you, just make the choice you feel as best? That is dangerous advice. Because I don't know about you, but for me, my feelings change. I don't feel the same way about things that I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you don't either. You make the choice that you feel is best, and then two weeks later, you regret the purpose. The purchase, feelings made the decision. Your kids do something wrong and wisdom says be patient, but feelings say yell. Or you have an opportunity that you know is not wise, but your emotions are telling you that you deserve it anyway because it's been a tough year. And the reality is, it is the decisions that we allow our feelings to make that hurt us the most. If you make decisions based on your feelings, You damage you. You create obstacles and pain that did not have to be there because your feelings will lie to you. The scale never lies. Your feelings will. Write it down. So when we decide better, we live better. When we live better, we feel better. So how do we make better decisions? In 2022, I want to give you just just one thing to grab onto today and process and maybe process throughout this week. How do we make better decisions in 2022? How do we improve our lives, our, our, our relationships, our families, our finances, our careers? How do we do that? Stop making decisions you already made. See, as a follower of Jesus, now I'm talking to Christ followers right now. As a follower of Jesus, what does Christ follower mean? It means I follow the teachings and the example of Jesus. So why do I wrestle with and process and agonize over decisions that are already made if I'm following Jesus? Stop making and giving emotional energy to decisions that you should have already made or maybe you're going to make today. Listen, you can make some decisions today that are once and for all decisions. Proverbs chapter 16 says, The road of right living bypasses evil. Watch your step and save your life. Some decisions are once and forever. I already decided 32 years ago who I love, my bride, and that's forever. I don't consider other options. That is a once and for all decision. I've already decided that God is my provider. God is my protector. I trust him in life. And so I'm far better off bringing the first 10% to the local church, which scripture teaches, instead of robbing God. I'm far better off living on 90% with God's blessing and provision than 100% without God's blessing in my life. I've already decided that. So no matter how life changes, no matter what the economy does, no matter what bill comes, I don't have to think through it. It's already decided Jesus comes first financially. I've already decided I want to live a life of faithfulness. And that thought, that decision, that value informs some of my day-to-day choices. I've already decided that I want to honor God and I want to honor others. I've already decided that for me, I want to chase significance, not success. Because you can achieve success without significance. But if you chase significance, success comes along for the ride. I've already decided I want to use whatever influence God gives me to help people find a relationship with Jesus and grow in that relationship, which brings hope. I've already decided I want to embrace and grow in generosity. There's some deep personal values that I have. And those values inform and provide a foundation for my day-to-day decisions. 
And because of them, these are some decisions that I've made that I never have to think about, wrestle with, feel the burden, process, rationalize, excuse. I never have to deal with it. They are made once and for all. So the question is, what's important to you? What do you value? Because when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. Daniel chapter 1, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Now that word resolved there is a deep inner commitment and decision that is unwavering, unswerving, locked and loaded, not going to change. It's forever. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. See, my values help me decide now what I will do later. Stop. Hey, Christ follower, stop making decisions you've already made. And if you haven't made them, make them today and move on living lighter, knowing that you've made some decisions that are once and for all consistent with Scripture that are going to help you live the life God created you to live. Stop considering or entertaining options that your values do not embrace. Your life is moving in the direction of your decisions. So do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? Your values, the core of who you are, what you believe, is the way you live your life ignoring your values. If you want to feel differently in 22 than you did in 21, You've got to take personal responsibility for your life and your growth. It is not mom and dad's fault. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not the boss's fault. It's not the employee's fault. It is not the government's fault. It is not your neighbor's fault. It is not your friend's fault. It is not the economy's fault. God knew you would be on planet earth at this exact moment, and he does not say anywhere that you're going to live a less than life because you live right now. You've got to take responsibility For your life. You have spent enough time blaming your ex. I've never seen anyone blame their way to a better life. It's never happened. You've got to own some things. And the good news is we're at the beginning of a brand new year. You get to do this. And you can do this. There's not a person in this room that can't do this. But you've got to take that step. You've got to make make the initiative to do that. So this year we're going to work on a lot of areas in life in the life of C3, and it's our desire to help you experience a better life by becoming better at life. And let me just say, there are no experts. We're all in a journey together following Jesus and, and trying to live by what His Word says. But we're going to give you the tools to improve your marriage, to excel in your parenting, to achieve your best life physically, relationally, vocationally, and financially. But there's... Something deeper than that. There's something more real than all of that that affects every single area of your life. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. How you doing? Train yourself to be godly. Now, for a lot of us, there's a little bit of a pushback. I mean, God, that, 
I don't want to walk around calling myself godly. That seems kind of prideful and kind of arrogant. I'm God. I'm training to be godly. That's what I'm doing this year. I'm, I'm getting more godly. I mean, it just, it just, it's a little bit off-putting, but I think that's in part because we don't understand what that verse is fully saying. It's saying, train yourself, develop a pattern of thinking and a spiritual consistent behavior of doing what honors God of living consistent with the teachings of God. Train yourself to be godly. To be godly means to be like God. Become more like Jesus this year and how you're kind to people that are unkind and how you love people that you think are unlovable. That, that's all it is. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value. But godliness, notice, has value for all things. This is the one thing that touches everything. Holding promise for both the present life right now and the life to come. Train yourself to be godly. In 2022, train yourself, train yourself to be godly. So, can I ask you a personal question? How would you rate your spiritual growth? We know your plans physically this year. You've already talked about it in the gym. You've joined and you've bought the stuff and you're going to go. And We already know you're going to make some tweaks financially. I mean, but have, have you considered what you're going to do to train to be godly? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your spiritual growth? What's your number between, between 1 and 10? Now, some of you would say, man, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm just going to kind of see how the year goes. Hey, can I just tell you something? Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. You're not going to just wake up one day and, oh, my, I'm closer to Jesus, and I love people I didn't know I loved, and it's, I'm sweeter to people around me at work. I don't know what's happened. I'm driving on the road, and instead of praying people would go to hell, I'm praying to go to heaven. I, I mean, I, I, I just I don't know what's happened. Somehow I've just fallen into a different mindset. Spiritual growth does not just happen. The passing of time brings nothing but age. That's all it brings. It is what we do with the time that creates growth. How long you've been a follower of Jesus, how long you've been married, how long you've been a parent, how long you've been in your particular career field, how long has nothing to do with your level of expertise. I know some people that have done things, uh, certain careers for a long time, and they suck at it. I know some businesses I can tell you, listen, I, I, I've got companies, people we call, do different things on that. I can tell you what lawn companies I've gone through. They've been doing it for years. I don't know how they're still in business. I don't know how a lot of people are still in business today. But you ask them and they say, oh, we're not going to be able to do that. Why? COVID, COVID. Just can't. COVID is an excuse for everything now. You can screw up anything you want. Why? COVID, it's COVID. You know, it's COVID. It's COVID. It's we don't have people. I mean, Starbucks were closing early. It's COVID. We can't get people to work. They'd rather sit home on their butts and take a check from the government. It's COVID. It's just COVID. It's COVID. Sorry, that's a different But how long you've done something has nothing to do with your level of expertise. You can do something a long time and be mediocre at it. You can do something for years. How many people remain married and they remain married and they sort of in church brag about it? We, we, we're still married. Well, your marriage sucks. You're not divorced, but you're struggling. You don't like each other. You take separate vacations. There's nothing healthy about your marriage. Your kids are like, oh, my gosh, would you all just separate? I mean, listen, you don't get the Bucky Beaver Award because you've done something a long time. It has no value at all. It's what you do with the time. 
A long time doesn't by itself mean a great time. The first church that I pastored in Missouri, I was 20 years old, and I still pray for those people. I didn't know what I was doing. But, but the first church I pastored, I became pastor of this church, and it was a small little country church, had 19 people my first Sunday. And in about six months, we grew to about 75, and they thought we were a mega church. It was just a little church somewhere. But I'll never forget, they didn't tell me what happened to the former pastor like why he wasn't there anymore. And at first, you know, I was young, and I didn't know, and I didn't want to ask. And I knew he was up in age. He'd, he'd lived a long time. I knew his health was terrible. He was a very large man, and, and I knew he didn't take care of himself. And I just assumed, was it a health issue? What, what happened? And so finally I asked them, hey, the former pastor, he was here for years. He put some time in. What, what happened? They said, you're, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. I didn't believe it at first. They said, we showed up one Sunday morning. And he was standing on the roof of the church, completely naked, singing hymns. He lost his freaking mind, which pastoring people will do that for you. I mean, I get it. I get it. I can relate. But I, I, you're not going to show up on a Sunday like that. Don't worry. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> Lock me up and throw away the key. They, they said, hey, he, he's in the hospital now. You can go visit him if you want. Like, he'd done it a long time. Long time doesn't mean anything. I've been going to church for 37 years. Who cares? Some of the worst, meanest people I've ever met, I've met at church. Now, the people that have changed my life, that God has used to bless my life and impact my life more than anywhere else, I've met at church. And then there are other people that say, hey, what, what, what's your number? On a scale of 1 to 10, your spiritual growth, what's your number? Other people say, my number's not what I, I want it to be. I, I just need to, I need to learn more. This year I want to know more. Spiritual growth, training in godliness, that one thing that impacts and benefits and touches everything in our lives has nothing to do with how much you know. You don't need to know more. You need to do more of what you already know. The greatest struggles that we have are not because there are depths in the Word of God that we've not yet discovered. The greatest struggles you and I have in life are the parts of the Word of God that we don't live yet. It's not that you need to know more and do more. That, that has, spiritual growth has nothing to do with how much you know. Spiritual growth happens day by day in the choices and the decisions we make. So many choices every day and some of the biggest, some of the most profound, some of the most life-changing. We don't have to carry the weight of through every day. You can give yourself the gift of making some once and for all decisions this year as a Christ follower. We're going to follow the teachings and the example of Jesus. If Jesus teaches it, I want to live it. Even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, even if it's convicting, even if it's uncomfortable, you do understand. The only way muscles grow is to make them uncomfortable. If we begin to chase what's easy, you can make the choice to live by convenience rather than conviction, and you'll live a less than life. But you've got to own your spiritual growth. You've got to decide, is this the Word of God? And if so, this year, this year, the way we're going to change some things, because something's got to change, the way I'm going to change it is to begin to do what I know God is teaching me to do. This year, we're going to love God and love others above I love, how I love myself. This year, I, I'm going to put God, we're going to put God first financially because we know we're blessed to be a blessing. This year, we're going to train and prioritize our spiritual growth more than we ever have. 
And so if I'm going to prioritize my spiritual growth, I want to begin every single week with other people worshiping God and hearing from God and knowing what God wants to say in my life. If I want to live my best life, then participating in this cannot be optional. I I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want God to speak in my life. I want this to be different. It won't be different just because you want it. It's going to be different if you do something different. This year, I'm going to act on what I believe and know instead of just believing and knowing. How do you grow spiritually? Simple. Nutrition and exercise. You take in the Word of God each day. Grab the version app, Y-O-U version, on your smartphone. There are daily Bible reading plans, just a few minutes a day. I'm going to take in the Word of God every day and nourish my soul. I'm going to be a part of what Jesus died for, the local church. And man, even when it's not convenient and even when I'm tired, I'm going to be a part of it because I want God to do something in my life. I want this year to be different, so I'm going to do something different. I take in the Word of God, and then you exercise your faith and your beliefs. You do something about what God says to you, and you take it one day at a time. And if you do that, you will feel and live better in 22. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, I pray for every person in this room that we would stop making decisions we've already made or we would make decisions today that we don't have to make again that will inform and elevate the rest of our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe the decision you need to make at the beginning of a brand new year is to give your life to Jesus. See, the only way the Spirit of God can be in my life and guiding my life and giving me wisdom and helping me find my purpose is if Jesus is in my life. And some of you deep down inside, you know the decision you need to make is to become a Christ follower, to give your life to Jesus. And if you'd like to do that this morning, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray this prayer out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to begin this year, if you want to begin the rest of your life knowing God in a personal way, the God who invites you to call him Father, You pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive my sin and help me to live for you. Thank you for loving me. Sometimes it's hard to believe that you could love me 